Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Phenomenon Report. I am Kelly Kleinman. Tonight, we're going to do an overview on two of the most amazing alien encounters in UFO lore, encounters you probably have never heard of. We have no guests, but we do have interview footage that clearly speaks for itself. With the Senate now asking for UFO data to be declassified, perhaps this is the time to start full-on disclosure debates and why it's necessary. We're clearly being engaged by forces from unknown origin. Both events we're covering tonight took place outside of the U.S. and involved children in schoolyards. Both were close encounters of the third kind. Contact was made and messages may have been delivered to one or more of the children in each event. And those messages were sent telepathically. The first event took place in Melbourne, Australia, where people reportedly witnessed multiple UFOs silently flying through the sky before landing in a field. Now, this particular case involved over 300 witnesses and was the largest mass UFO sighting in Australia to date. Yet hardly anything has been reported on it and very few people know about this particular case. Over the years, there have been different reports about exactly what happened. Uh, the date, I believe, was April 6th. In fact, it was April 6th at Westall High School. Uh, there were some people who claimed there were three objects and some claimed that there was one object. Rather than have me describe the event and try to use my recollection on it, here's a piece done by the local news regarding this amazing encounter. In the 52 years since the incident has occurred, there has been worldwide speculation about what people saw. While some believing it was an absolute alien encounter and others pointing the finger at a government uh, test of new technology. I think it speaks for itself. So without further ado, here's a little bit of interesting historical information regarding one of the most amazing UFO sightings of all time. Welcome back. Thank you for your company. Now, do you believe in UFOs or unidentified flying objects? Well, many Australians do, and none more strongly than people who were confronted by something very strange in suburban Melbourne 50 years ago. We can work it out. We can work it out. It's April 1966, and more than 200 students and a dozen teachers at two Melbourne schools are sure they've just had a close encounter. This is Australia's most famous UFO sighting. The object stayed on the ground for more than 20 minutes, then took off rapidly and some say it was buzzed by five aircraft. The school children were warned never to speak of it, authorities telling them that flying saucers just don't exist. But 50 years later, witnesses insist they know exactly what they saw. It's incredible. Wow. It was called the Westall Incident. And joining us now, three of the people who were there when they were school children all those years ago. In Melbourne, Joy Clark and Terry Peck. And in Brisbane, Jackie Argent. And also with us in Canberra, principal researcher for this UFO incident, Shane Ryan. Good morning to all of you and thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Let's begin with Joy and Terry in Melbourne. Can you tell us what you saw? Yes, Natasha. Um, I was out playing cricket on the Oval at the time and we noticed these three craft hovering above the school, um, which was a bit unusual. They definitely weren't aircraft. And then after about 10 minutes, we saw one go down into an area behind our school called The Grange, where we used to do our cross-country runs. So being a little bit of a rebel, as I was at school, 
um, I was one of the first to run through and jump over the fence and arrive at the Grange and it was on the ground in front of me. The, the other two girls had arrived before me and one was hysterical, Tanya, and the other girl had fainted. So I just looked at it and after a few minutes it just raised up above me, probably to about well, 12 feet, turned on its side and went zoom straight up into the air and disappeared almost instantly. And there were two other craft in the air at the time. Joy, did you see something similar and what were you thinking it was at that stage? Were you convinced it was a UFO? Look, uh, I didn't know what it was. I'd, yes, definitely a UFO. Um, I was actually in science class and we had a um, st student had rung in and flung the door open and said, Mr Greenwood, Mr Greenwood, there's things in the sky, there's flying saucers in the sky. So we all ran down the corridor and out onto the oval and yes, there were flying saucers in the sky. I saw three of them, um, but it took me quite a while to sort of comprehend what I was looking at because I'd never seen anything like that before. Jackie, it's quite um, intriguing. Did you also see those flying saucers? I saw a flying saucer. I don't recall there being more than one. Um, but we were down the back, I was down the back of the oval with Tanya when we noticed it in the sky. Um, it did some manoeuvres which were very strange, which is why our attention was drawn to it in the first place. And then it came down over the Grange. We could see it coming down, so we took off after it. Um, Tanya actually reached the craft, I believe. I didn't, um, because she came back screaming towards me and then I ran back with her to the school. She got taken away in an ambulance and that was the last time I saw her. And, and can you tell us a bit more about these craft? What colour were they? How big were they? Did they actually land or were they just hovering above the ground? The craft I saw was silver in colour. It was round. It did come down on the ground, even though I didn't see it on the ground, I saw the marks that it left um, later on that day. It could move incredibly fast and it could also appear to stand still. When it took off from the other aircraft that were buzzing it, um, it made them look as though they were at standstill. Right. And, and Shane, sceptics have dismissed the event as just the product of the fertile imagination of children. Uh, what's your response to that? Some sceptics have, and there are other sceptics, I think, who take a more serious look at a story like this, a story which has so much witness testimony. Uh, I'd like to begin by paying tribute to Joy and Terry and Jackie and all the other witnesses who have been brave enough to come forward and talk about this story. Ninety-six witnesses so far have been happy to talk to me about the flying saucer that they saw. 147 people have come forward and spoken to me about the circles in the paddocks that were left behind by the flying saucer. So if you just look at those numbers alone, you realise we're looking at something pretty important. Now, remember, when we talk about UFOs, obviously in the general social conscious consciousness, people think about extraterrestrial craft. UFOs simply means unidentified flying objects. We don't know what an extra extraterrestrial spaceship, for example, would look like. Now, 
it just simply means something that was seen in the sky that nobody could easily identify. And I think we have to begin with that. Now, as interesting as a program as the X-Files is, and absolutely it is, I think this is a UFO story that all Australians need to uh, know about, need to take seriously. Can I ask what happened to the girl? You, um, you took her back to the school, the one that was hysterical. Is it Tanya? Mm -hmm. And um, she went into the hospital and then you went to visit her at her place and they said she didn't live there. That's yes, right. I, went to, I went to her house the following day and an English-speaking woman opened the door and said there had never been a Tanya living there. Now, the problem with that is that Tanya's parents didn't speak English to start with. I think they were Yugoslavian. So I'd been to this house a lot of times and then was told, no, sorry, you're mistaken. Oh, my God. That's so what's happened to her? Do you know if she disappeared? Have you had any contact with her? Do you know where she is and what, what happened? I have had no personal contact with her. I know one of the researchers has. She prefers to stay anonymous and not be involved in anything at all. She told the researcher that she had no recall of what had happened. And then there was a very odd story about her parents putting her in a convert for some reason that was to me, totally ridiculous. That's it. <laughs> Terry, we've seen drawings that look like a flying saucer and even two flying saucers. Can you describe for us what was there? Yes, um, it was about one and a half times the size of a normal um, family sedan. And it was round, silver coloured. There were all lights around the bottom of it, no windows. Um, it threw off a bit of a heat and it was making a low buzzing sound. Did any of you at all witness anyone inside these unidentified flying objects? Did you see anyone? No. 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 All right, Joy, Terry, Jackie and Shane, stay with us because we're going to chat with you more uh, right after this short break. Now, We've heard firsthand from these accounts, but Australian authorities are actually accused of covering up what really happened. So what's the truth? Don't go anywhere. We'll return in just a moment. Welcome back. Now, returning to our special examination this morning of the West Hall incident. Now, it happened 50 years ago when many people reported seeing a UFO land in suburban Melbourne. We're joined once again by Joy Clark and Terry Peck in Melbourne and in Brisbane, Jackie Argent. Now, they were just school children at the time and clearly remember what they saw. Also joining us from Canberra is principal researcher for this specific UFO incident, Shane Ryan. Joy, to you firstly. Now, you were interviewed by journalists, reporters at the time. What has happened to your story since then and do you think there has been a cover-up? Oh, absolutely. Um, that film, I was interviewed by Channel 9 and at the front of the school and a man walked up to me. He was in blue, so he may have been Air Force or perhaps police, I'm not sure. Put his um, hand on my shoulder and told me to stop talking and go back into the school and then turned around to the film, uh, the cameraman and the reporter and told them both to go away. But previous to that happening, um, not long after the sighting, um, the army arrived opposite the school in three um, jeeps and jumped out of the back and they were in uh, camouflage gear and all that sort of stuff. So they were sort of out the school for quite a while. 
And then we had a, a special assembly. We were all called to a special assembly and told that we hadn't seen anything. It was a weather balloon. We're all massively hysterical. Don't talk about it. If you talk about it, you'll get into trouble. And I got detention because I had been interviewed by oh. Channel 9. Joy, let me ask you a little bit more about that. What, what would you say, because there might be people listening to your story uh, today and being a little sceptical and thinking you're, you're a little girl, sometimes memories can change, even though we're convinced that we see a particular thing. And perhaps it was a weather balloon or some um, other sort of aircraft and not necessarily a UFO. No. Definitely UFO. I'd never seen anything like it before and we were used to seeing aircraft because we weren't that far away from Moorabbin Airport. So we would quite often see the little planes fly around. So we was nothing like I've ever seen ever since either. Just how old were you? Twelve and a half. Okay. And how soon after you saw the flying saucers did the uh, Army and or possibly Air Force personnel show up? How quickly did they get there? Um, I reckon probably 25, 30 minutes. Right. And, and Shane, do you think um, that this could have been uh, some kind of piece of military equipment or uh, some other type of um, you know, apparatus that's perfectly innocent? Well, I take a, an agnostic view of, of UFOs and this particular UFO story included because we simply don't know. We don't know what UFOs are. But I think it's fairly obvious that it's difficult to find simply a, a prosaic, mundane explanation for what so many of these witnesses saw. It's easier for us to say what it wasn't. If you look at the evidence, if you sit down with the hundreds of witness testimonies, we can say fairly confidently this obviously wasn't an aeroplane, it wasn't a helicopter, it wasn't a drone, it wasn't a kite, and I don't mean to prick anyone's balloon, but it wasn't to me, quite obviously, a meteorological balloon or anything like that. So then we're left with the mystery, what was it? Now remember, when we talk about UFO stories, it's often these days lights in the skies, people out in the outback seeing something while they're alone. This happened in broad daylight, literally hundreds of witnesses. And not only did the flying saucer fly low over two schools, in front of all these students and local workers and residents and some teachers, it landed. It was either on the ground or close to the ground for several minutes. And in addition to that, there was this incredible response to this incident. As so Joy has shame. mentioned, police, military and more. You, I understand you're a little sceptical at the start before you investigated this. And, sure. And you seem also to be saying you're impressing that it's an unidentified flying object. And then you're calling it a flying saucer. Is it, do you think it's an alien craft? Do you think aliens were in there? Or are you sort of playing it safe here? Well, I'm trying to be rational. I'm trying to be logical. I'm trying to be fair to the evidence. I often like to refer to it as a flying source because that's what it was called at the time. Mm -hmm. It was called that because that's what it looked like. A saucer turned upside down on another saucer or bowl. That was the shape that it presented. It was an unidentified flying object. It was seemingly a solid metallic looking object that flew that nobody could identify. Now I think that's as much as we can say but what is really interesting is the level of response to whatever this was, and I don't know what it was, but certainly 
the government authorities, the Royal Australian Air Force, the Army, the Civil Defence Organisation, all responded on this day. Why did they respond and why, in addition to that, is there no information about this incident publicly available in any of the government archives? They're some of the interesting questions. Terry, over the years you've heard what authorities have said about this incident. How do you feel about what they say about it? Well, look, it's, it's hard to know. Jessica's right in a way. Over the many years our memories do change a little bit, but it is burned into my memory. Um, I know what I saw and no matter what anyone says, I know that it was something very unusual and the way it took off at that speed, I doubt very much if there was anything in that day that could take off like that. Mm. Shane, you claim you've spoken to more than 100 witnesses. Why do you think there was a cover-up, it seems, at very, very high levels? Well, that's the $94 million question, I guess. We do know that a very high-ranking public servant from the Department of Supply was dispatched to Westall that day. He investigated. And after that wonderful Australian documentary, Westall 66, a suburban UFO mystery, was aired on Australian television in 2010, his daughter contacted me and said, thank you, thank you for having that documentary made because my father was there that day. Mm. And he suffered for what he saw. And she and her brother, I've spoken to them both, really believe that his untimely death just four years later was connected with the stress that was applied to him because he tried to get answers to what happened. Why the cover-up? What could it possibly have been 50 years ago that would now be a threat to national security or anybody's reputation or any alliance with another country? Is that possible after 50 years? I think we need the answers. So, Jackie, do you think you'll ever find out about the, the mystery? No, I doubt it very much. Um, initially, I would have said it was some sort of test aircraft. I fell in line with that theory. But there's never been an aircraft, to my knowledge, today that can do what that did. So... Mm -hmm. so sorry, I've had a question for you, but I just think... Um, are you glad to have been able to speak out about this after so long? Do you feel relief? Um, no, not really. Mm. <laughs> I, think the, I think the experience actually contributed to my, my demeanour as an adult. Um, the way that I handle situations and the way that I respond in a critical situation in particular. So the bullying that I underwent with those men that came to the school, which was definitely bullying now, has made me more resolved in the way I've lived my life. Is that the same for all of you? Yes and no. Um, I think I've gone a little bit the opposite, where I've become more outspoken and I don't take um, people's criticism and trying to tell me that I was crazy because I know what I saw. So I won't, nothing will change my resolve. It's in my brain forever. Thank, well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your stories with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Joy Clark and Terry Peck in Melbourne. Jackie Arjun in Brisbane and Shane Ryan in Canberra. We generally really, really appreciate your time and for sharing your stories. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
I wow. think frustrating for them is they are adamant what they've seen and mm. they're very, very frustrated because they're not believed. It's just bizarre. Fascinating interview. I think we can all agree on that. I think we can also agree that the technology involved in this incident suggests capabilities far beyond that of the Aussie military. Now, the next alien schoolyard close encounter took place in Zimbabwe at the Aerial School, which was a private school for relatively wealthy kids of all creeds and colors in South Africa. More than 110 children and staff who had been at the school, which sits just outside of the small agricultural center of Rua, were present when the aliens landed in 1994. The staff was in the building when an unknown craft apparently landed in the schoolyard and beings interacted with some of the children. Here's that story. We talked with a lot of individuals about their experiences, but there's something about talking with, you know, a group that has collectively experienced the same thing um, that is just more convincing and seems more legitimate. In the case where we spoke with young children who had experienced a visitation from two UFOs and the two beings who had hovered over their playground during recess, this was at a small secondary school outside, Zimbab outside Harare in Zimbabwe, and 60 children at recess had seen these two UFOs hover, two alien beings come out. And I even remember how one little girl described it to me. She said it was as if they were kind of floating above the grass towards us or hopping across the grass towards us. And in this case, um, I remember John's voice very specifically as he asked one little girl, and these were very disciplined, sort of post-colonial, ch little children, um, different races with braids, very well-spoken. And John said, well, what would you call these things that you saw? And she'd say, I'd call them aliens. I'd call them alien beings. In September 1994, over 60 children from this school in the suburbs of Harare, Zimbabwe, witnessed several objects landing and two beings coming out. Just over two months later, John and Dominique came to the scene to work with the children, their parents, and the teachers still suffering from shock. John, who essentially specialized in child psychiatry, devoted a great deal of time to interviewing the children. Something scared you, is that right? Yes. What, what scared you? The noise. What noise? The noise that we heard in the air. You heard a noise in the air? What was it like? Like a roar or a buzz or a hum or what kind of a noise? It was like someone was playing a flute. It was scary myself. It was scary because you saw something yourself? Yes. Mm -hmm. I saw a little object hovering. It was quite big actually and then there was little ones all around it. We saw something silver and then we quickly ran to the loud to the logs and we saw a silver, silver thing and we saw a man standing next to it. Uh, what was it, did it feel like when he was looking at you? I felt scared. It, it felt scared? What was scary about it? Well, I felt scared because I've never seen such a person like that before. Did you see the eyes? What did they look like? They were um, going like that. Where was the pointy part? Was the pointy part in here or was the pointy part up there? Up there. And what was the feeling when you looked at the eyes? Um, it was scary. Mm -hmm. 
And what, scary why? What made it scary? The eyes looked evil. Evil. Mm -hmm. And what was evil about them? Mm -hmm. Say what you mean by evil. It, it, it looked evil because it was just staring at me. With what? Staring at you as if what? As if to do what? As if it wanted to come and take us. As if it wanted to come and take you. That was the feeling you got? That it wanted you to go with it? Did you feel like you wanted to go with it? No. Did you feel, what was the effect on you when, when you felt it wanted to have you go with it? Well, I just um, walked away and I started crying. They came running up here in such a panic. And I mean, even if we had staged it, they could not have run all together like that. Even if we practiced it, I don't know how many times. <laughs> that they came up here like a living snake. And they just came, we were in a staff meeting and we just heard them screaming, screaming, ah, and they were here, you know, and the child can't make that up. <laughs> I was very skeptical in the beginning as well. Um, I believed that they'd seen something, but I wasn't prepared to accept that it was anything supernatural or anything like that. But I think the consistency of, of what's been going on indicates that it was more than I was prepared to admit in the beginning. So both of them were running. One was running um, in the trees, and the other one was running, running across the ship. Because mm -hmm. there were also trees here. Mm -hmm. The eyes were, were like more pointed as they came in toward the center of the yeah. head, is that? No, more silky. And this was all black. All black. Now you've made pupils. Did they actually have pupils or yes, was it the pupils were white. What? The pupils were white like that. And you saw white in the center? Yes, like that. Mm -hmm. Was he near the, uh, the silver object or was he far from? No, on top. On top of the silver yes. object. Okay. And um, did you look at him? Yes. Did he look at you? Yes, and he gave me the creeps and I spoke to him. Gave you the creeps. Actually, in your drawing, you showed him standing up, didn't you? Yes, I had to draw him standing up because I couldn't draw him sitting. What I thought was maybe the world's going to end. Maybe they're telling us the world's going to end. Um, well, why do you think they might want us to be scared? <coughs> Because um, you, maybe because we never, we don't look after the planet, um, the area properly. Mm -hmm. And really, this is—is is this an idea that uh, you have had before that we don't look after the planet properly in the air, or did this idea come to you when you had this experience? Then I had this experience. Mm -hmm. And how did that idea come to you from this experience? This is a little hard, but try, try to be with me here, okay? When you, how did this idea come to you when you had this experience? I just felt all horrible inside. You felt horrible. At what point did you feel that? When you saw the craft or at, when you got home at night? Or when I got home. You had that horrible feeling when you got home? Yes. And say more about that horrible feeling, Lisa. What was it like? It was like in the world, all the trees would just go down and, and there would be no air and people would be dying.
Mm-hmm. And those thoughts came to you, had you had those thoughts before this experience? No. No. And did, how did those thoughts come to you? Did they come to you from the craft or from... From the man. The man. And the man, did the man say those things to you? Uh, how did he get that across to you? Well, he never said anything. It's just that the face is the eyes. What was the sense you got from those eyes? He was interested. They uh, describe these experiences or these events like a person talks about something that has happened to them. Uh, and when you're talking with a, a psychotic who's telling you something and it's a delusion and you feel that it really didn't happen, I can tell. I mean, I know this is something that person wants me to believe or they're frightened or they're distorting reality in some way. There's nothing like that here. These are people of sound mind, by and large, uh, telling me something that's very... They know that I might think they're crazy and so they're a little concerned about telling me and and they, they're very full of questioning themselves and doubt and I mean the way and then they describe something very real and intense a light or something happened to their body or it, it, it's the whole quality of the way they talk about it is the way a person talks about experience that, that happened to them what do you think were these kids hallucinating? Was it just a big mind game by the Australian or South African government? Do they actually see aliens? Do they make contact? Was that a true close encounter? Well, the evidence is pretty compelling to suggest that they were visited by aliens of an unknown origin. What do you think? Leave a comment. Share this. Like it, I hope. You'll also subscribe. This is Kelly Kleiman, The Phenomenon Report. Have a good night.